Grab your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs 1. And um, I believe in your bulletin you, you got an uh, outline. Uh, it's fairly generic, and it's not as detailed as, as we could have made it. My, my, my main goal is to provide one of these outlines for you, particularly in our series on the Proverbs. And, but my main goal in these outlines is not so much the outline. It is the Proverbs we will be referencing, most of them at least, um, that since we'll go through them so quickly, uh, if you want on your own and you go home, uh, they are there. And I know I have a habit of talking too fast. Don, do you know if, if it is uh, working or not? Um, there we are. I appreciate that. Thank you. So last week we started a series on Proverbs. We looked at Wisdom for Women on Mother's Day. Lord willing, we'll conclude on Father's Day, Wisdom for Men. So ladies, I haven't forgot to uh, pick on them. Um, but uh, this week we want to look at Wisdom for Families. So page 560, you'll find Proverbs 1. So if you will stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. Solomon writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing, and righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, that the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, I ask that you would, as always, um, open our entire being so that we would receive your word, believe it, and apply it. And help us as we apply your wisdom to our home. And may I decrease so you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. May be seated. I'm sure there's a few here today who remember email before it got too much. You remember back in the day when email first came out, you got two emails. Not two emails total, but two types of emails. One was spam, right? This is before... Um, uh, Bill Gates invented the junk drawer, right? And so you just got all the spam right, in, in, right into the inbox. And so you, you had to go through all that. The other was forwards from coworkers, family members, friends, church members, strange, reading that, right? And you remember that, that in order to read the forward, uh, uh, you, you would have gotten that forward from all your coworkers, and, and so by the time you actually saw the email, you had to go through the thousand other forward email, right? right? This person forwarded. The, I mean, you could trace it back to its genesis if you had that much time. Because if you're a state worker, what else are you doing? So you could really pull that off. Well, and then you get to the bottom of it, and it's a, it's a jokey story or, or something. And for those of you millennials and Gen Zers who didn't have a happy childhood, um, let me tell you that, that this was Facebook before there was Facebook. Uh, if, if, if you wanted to rant about politics, you would, you, you would, you would do that through a forward, but you, you didn't write it. Someone else wrote it and forwarded it to you. And so, well, I got to share that. And so you would forward it to everybody else. And, and it would just fill up your, your email box. Well, I actually saved a bunch of those. 
uh, I had a I had a folder called Funny, and I don't update it as much anymore because we don't do email the way we used to anymore. So I thought for kicks and giggles, I'll go back and read some of those. And I found one that was Ford's it's jokes about children. Can I, I didn't know where else to put this. Can I just share some of these emails to you? When reciting the Lord's Prayer, three-year-old Reese would say, Our Father, who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. A Sunday school teacher asked her children as they were on the way to church services, and why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One bright little girl replied, because people are sleeping. (laughs) A mother was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, who was five, and Ryan, who was three. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw the opportunity for a moral lesson. If Jesus was sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancakes. I can wait. Kevin, the five-year-old, turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. (laughs) A wife invited some people to dinner. At the table, she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, would you like to say the blessing? Well, I wouldn't know what to say, said the little girl. Just say what you hear mommy say, the wife answered. The daughter bowed her head and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? (laughs) And finally, after christening of his baby brother in church, Jason sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three times what was wrong. Finally, the boy replied, That preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home. I want to stay with you guys. Well, I don't know where to put that, so I'll put it right there at the beginning. Which reminds me, here we are looking in Proverbs. It is wisdom for families. I find this series helpful because to pause and say, what does the Word of God and the wisdom of God say regarding masculinities? We'll see femininities we saw last week. And here, what does it mean, wisdom for the family? Most notably, for children and for parents. The two points we have here today are about as obvious as you're going to get but profound nonetheless. The first one you see there is that children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Again, that may sound like an obvious point. Of course, you've read your Bible before. But if all you did was to read the culture, you may come to a different conclusion. Whether it is we are trying to destroy them in the womb or we are trying to ruin them outside of the womb, it seems to us that in our materialistic worldview, we simply don't know what to do with kids. After all, we live in a society where, where the self-autonomy is the greatest idol. There is nothing more important than me, my time, my wants, and my desires. All the while, there is a screaming three-year-old who wants to be picked up. We don't know what to do with children. We don't know what to do with the innocent among us. Yet Scripture is very clear that children are a blessing, should be received as blessing, and the home with children in it is a blessed home. In fact, we can take this all the way to the very beginning. We use the word blessing because we think we know what it means, but let's be honest, many of us haven't really thought about what that word means. So it may be helpful actually to go back to the beginning of the Bible, to take a brief break from Proverbs for now, to go back to the first time the word shows up in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 1. There you may remember God blessed Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. You'll notice there that the word blessed is defined by its context. 
So when God blesses Adam and Eve, the blessing for them is fruitfulness. Now, if we had time, and we've done this in the past, particularly on Wednesday nights, fruitfulness means a a host of things. Fruitfulness brings with it wisdom and knowledge and here the blessing of God. But you'll notice here the first act of blessedness, the first act of fruitfulness is found in the home with the presence of, of a marriage and with children. So much so you'll see that whenever it comes to the story of Abraham, whenever God set out to bless him, he sought to bless him with land and with lineage. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you or dishonor those who dishonor you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed. So he begins the covenantal blessing with land and lineage. And then what comes is a legacy of blessing. That to be found as among the children of Abraham is to be blessed by God. That Abraham would be fruitful. Now that fruitfulness for Abraham means more than having children. But certainly it it, it includes that. So to be blessed is to have favor, to be in abundance, to be fruitful. And its earliest usage is tied directly to children. This is why abortion advocates have a hard time relegating the unborn to a clump of cells and large families as climate terrorists. Why? Because we understand there is a profound mystery in the presence of children. They are a blessing. Proverbs is consistent with this. They are a blessing, first of all, by their very nature as image bearers of God. In Proverbs 5, the Solomon is talking about the beauty of, of the marriage, particularly intimacy, uh, specifically. Should your springs be scattered or broad streams of waters in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. You can keep reading the context and the innuendos pretty clear what it is he's talking about. But I believe there's an attachment that, that you will be blessed. Let your fountain, let your home be blessed. The same thing in chapter 17. We saw this last week. Grandchildren are the crown for the age or of the age and the glory of children is their fathers here which is you have a proud father for the very fact he has children being true a healthy society a healthy church and a healthy home would see children as a blessing from god rather than a burden here in our society we don't know what to do with them So too, many parents are off put by them and so cart them off to school or to the babysitter or drug them to calm them down or ignore them by putting them in front of screens so that we can just do whatever it is that we want to do. And how many churches, perhaps this church has been guilty of in the past, we grow tired of children being children. Can I kind of tell you what things the kids do? They bang on pianos. They run on carpets. They spill drinks. They scream and shout when it is inappropriate. Why? Because they are your children. You did the same. And some of you still act the same. Let's be honest. But children are a blessing by nature. And they should be received as much. They're a blessing not just by nature. They are a blessing through their faithfulness. 
That is, that children are a blessing, they also become a blessing. Both are true. The way children respond to parents and to broader society, they become a greater blessing to others. Consider, for example, Proverbs 15. It says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. You see the application there? It is that as children, as young adults, as adults, you as a child have responsibility, not just that you are a blessing, but also to be a blessing. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Look at it, it's almost verbatim the same proverb, maybe for emphasis. Thus, we see that children play a role in honoring and blessing their parents. Now, this, the way this is demonstrated in Proverbs is usually through highlighting fools. We'll come to fools in a few weeks. I have no doubt that will be a lot of fun and hopefully very convicting for all of us. But consider Proverbs 17. A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. A foolish son is ruin to his father and a wife's quarreling is continual dripping of rain. Too many of you men only heard that second part. Proverbs 19.26, He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray away from the words of knowledge. So to chapter 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out into utter darkness. You see the pattern here. Children are a blessing and can and are, are to seek to be a blessing. And this is why the Bible exhorts children to honor their parents. Now, when I was growing up, the word honor had one simple meaning. Do whatever your parents, mom and dad, tell you to do, right? Is that the sort of definition you grew up with, right? Right, I'll, I'll put the, the, the whipping belt over here just in case you forgot. But I remember when I was young, I'm like, okay, so uh, it says children uh, are to honor your parents. Okay, if it means obey, why didn't the biblical writer use the word obey instead of honor? I'm not that smart of a guy. I mean, there's two different words. Why use one and not the other? It's because honor carries with it a much broader meaning. In fact, the word honor carries with it glory. We talked about this some yesterday with wisdom for women. Remember the crown on the husband's head? It, it carries the meaning of glory, even the word heavy. And with that is often rich. Or someone who's rich is someone who's heavy in wealth, glorified in wealth. Let me give you a few examples of this in Proverbs, okay? Proverbs 4.8, prize the wisdom. Uh, I put wisdom there because it's, it's the feminine her, prize her. Prize wisdom highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. You see it there? That means more than obey, doesn't it? Whoever opposes a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. So, so, so you, see, you see that, again, it means more than just do whatever it is that you're told to do. It carries with it a glory, of beauty, of, of honor. So just as we saw last week, the wife is to honor her husband, so children are called to honor their parents. Proverbs 20, 11 says, Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. And I suspect there are some here that you are not honoring your parents. And maybe it needs to begin with repentance, maybe forgiveness, 
Or maybe a simple phone call will go a long way. Yes, it means to obey, but it means to honor your parents, to lift them up, to bring them glory. We talk much about the responsibility of parents to children, and we will have much to say in that regard. But children and young adults and adults to their parents have a clear responsibility towards their parents. Are you honoring that? Are you obedient to that? Even if you have left the nest and have family yourself, do you still honor them? Children, then, are a blessing. But secondly, we need to see here is that parents are a blessing. It's rare that we really put a sense like that together, isn't it? Parents are a blessed gift from God. Solomon writes in chapter 23, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Can I show you just a few ways parents are a blessing to their children? The first way, you see it in your notes, is that of legacy. They leave a legacy. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 2 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. One year on Father's Day, my pastor, whenever I was a youth minister, um, on Father's Day went around unannounced. No one knew he was going to do this, and you should never do that in a Baptist church. Um, um, he went around, pointed at random men, called them out by name at the end of the service, right after the invitation, after we could smell the fried chicken from 20 miles away. He's going around uh, bit by bit saying, Brother Carl, what, what sort of legacy, what have you learned from your father over all these years? And you'd have to give an answer. Brother Bob, what about you and your father? And he would go around. I remember he came to me because the, the whole time I was like, give me like five or six ahead. I really need to think of this because I was on staff. I had to have a spiritual answer, right? And, and, and that was really convicting. Had I ever stopped and thought, what is the legacy my parents have blessed me with? Godly parents leave behind a godly legacy. Look, we all experience that moment, don't we, when we realize as adults we are turning into our parents. You didn't hear me say this, but I'm grain like my mother, but everything else I am like my father. You didn't hear that first part. And I will take that out of the, the video, right? I get my gray hair from my mother. You wouldn't know that. She, she dies. it, But everything else I'm getting from my father, my impatience, right? My, 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 my wanting to just do things myself, that sort of stuff, right? My temper, maybe, I, I can't really tell you which one that comes from, maybe a little bit of both. But parents should leave behind a legacy of, 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 of a blessing. Now, this proverb we have highlighted here highlights wealth and inheritance, and certainly that can be a blessing. Failing to secure the next generation prosperity should not be overlooked. But the lack of an of inheritance can and may indicates a life in selfishness. But what we leave behind should be more than financial and material blessing. May we leave behind wisdom. May we live behind faith. May we leave behind faithfulness to one's spouse. May we live, leave behind a genuine, abiding love for children. May we leave behind a, a character character of selflessness, uh, integrity of sacrifice, right? What we leave behind is important, and we are, we are the benefits of that. Whether or not we don't want to admit we're turning to our parents, but, but that is often a good thing. Not only can parents are a blessing because of their legacy, they're, they, they, they are a blessing because of security. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. I want you to notice how this security is described. It is, it is much larger than big guns, locked doors, and large arms. It is a safe, caring home led by a strong man and a loving mother. We could perhaps suggest, and I think rightly so, that the greatest problem of this country is not 30 million trillion dollars of debt. It isn't division among our parties or our obsession with politics, sex, and entertainment. The root problem of our country is no doubt godlessness and a broken home. And what blessed parents do is they provide a refuge security for children. The word privilege is supposed to serve as a dirty word today. But when it comes to the privilege of parents who love each other and raise children, the word privilege there is not a bad thing. I wish more homes were privileged with such parents. In fact, we know this, right? We know this from a secular perspective. We know this from a biblical perspective that there is nothing better for children than a mom and dad who loves their kids and they love each other first. In fact, you could Google this. What are the benefits of two-parent homes across racial and socioeconomic lines? Here they are. And this is just a few that, that I wrote down for the sake of time. Children are less likely to be poor in such homes. Children are more likely to graduate from college. They're less likely to go to prison. They are less likely to try or at least to become addicted to drugs. They are less likely to be sexually active and are more likely to have long-lasting romantic relationships and to wait till marriage to start a family. Finally, children are typically healthier and they are typically happier and they make better choices for themselves. Why? Because of the security of a home. Because of the security of parents. And what is it that we find in our society? Broken homes has led to a broken nation. Thirdly, parents are a blessing because they give instruction. You see it there in chapter 1 that we read earlier, isn't it? Look at there at verse 8. Notice who is mentioned. Hear my son. Remember, Proverbs is written largely from a father's perspective to his son. More specifically, written from a king to his heir. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And notice there, and forsake not your mother's teaching. It's mother and father, husband and wife. For they, that is the instruction of your father, teaching of your mother, are a graceful garland on your head. That is a type of crown. Impendence for your neck. You can turn over to chapter 4 and you'll see the same thing. Chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It's a bit long, but it may be worth us just exploring a little bit. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Where have I heard that before? And be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was the son of my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. This is wisdom. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. 
Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. She would exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Did you notice how easy it is for him to, to merge a mother's teaching with lady wisdom? That sounds important. Moving on. Verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness, drink the wine of violence, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like the deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes Eyes look directly toward forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, that all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. That is instruction from a father and a mother to their child. What a blessed instruction that is. Choose life, choose righteousness, choose wisdom. What a blessing that is. Finally. This is the part where we will get in trouble by someone on the internet. They give the blessing of discipline. The blessing of discipline. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he does. Did you notice what just happened there? Before we can talk about parental discipline, we need to talk about divine discipline, don't we? Whatever you may think about discipline, can, can we start there with the, with the vertical before we look at the horizontal? God disciplines his children because he loves them. So do parents discipline their children. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're familiar with Proverbs, you want this to be the spanking talk. And that's not what we're going to do. Because the problem isn't who and who isn't spanking. The problem is who and who is not disciplining. We've gone past the whole spanking conversation. Far too many parents think discipline is, is sufficient if they're quiet because they're in front of Netflix or YouTube 24 hours a day. You don't need a discipline because they're quiet and they're leaving you alone. Some will buy into a philosophy that says that if you just put up with it and, and let them just destroy the house and have no discipline, that's because you're one of the more advanced modern parents. You're not going to find that anywhere in the Bible. Whatever what one's opinion may be about specifics on discipline, which we can have that conversation another day, can we at least begin here that the discipline is the responsibility of parents or their children? Can I just make a few points out of the Proverbs regarding this? First of all, discipline is an extension of love. We, we saw that in chapter 3, don't we, that, that because the Lord loves us, he disciplines us. So too, if a father and a mother loves their children, they would discipline their child. The same thing in Proverbs 13. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, and he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. There's the spanking verse, right? But you'll notice what we're emphasizing is love. 
Those who fail to discipline do so not out of love, but out of failure. Discipline is, respond, is, is rooted in love. That is why in moments of discipline, children should never feel unloved or uncared for. Much of our discipline comes and, and is when we share with our children the why of disciplining, even when there isn't a need for it. You do need to know that you, you are loved forever by mommy and daddy, and sometimes we have to correct things. It isn't because we're mad at you or hate you or, or despise you. It's because we love you. It must be an extension of love. Secondly, here's a part that I get frustrated with parents. Children are sinners. Did you know that? I'll tell you what. Let's have any child, pick any child in the world, put them right here, give them five minutes, and they will prove themselves that they are sinners. Why? Because they are the child of sinners. They've inherited your sin nature. Yet we think that if, if, if we just, just deny the fact that, that, that children have inherited original sin, they are as depraved as you and I, then they, they won't, do, won't become sinners. Look, they already are. And God has given us the responsibility to address that problem. And one thing you'll find is you are no savior for sinners. This is why we need Jesus. This is why you get in Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. <laughs> I'm sorry, you postmodern pagans. You can mark that verse out of the Bible. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I mean, notice what he's saying there. As God disciplines sinners, so must the father his son. Children are not innocent bystanders, but inherited evil hearts of their parents. And we err when we try to win obedience through friendship. There is a time for patience and kindness. There is also a time for firmness and discipline. Again, Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice it's more than one option with discipline. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. This is why that, that... Proactive parenting is so important despite the opportunities of technology. Thirdly, undisciplined and unholy parents are dangerous. Now, my parents firmly believed in firm discipline. We had to pick out, I had a babysitter who made us pick out our switch. <laughs> you imagine that? I mean, my dad would have us pick out certain belt that he had we would always go to to the belt that was falling apart you know and that made the whoopings even worse i think but proverbs 23 uh i didn't put it up but proverbs 23 do not withhold discipline from a child if you strike him with a rod he will not die if you strike him with the rod you will save his soul from sheol i think was my parents favorite bible verses But a father with an alcoholic problem, a mother with bitterness in her bones, are fools who fail to discipline appropriately. Discipline is for the benefit of the child and for correction, not for rage, not for ego, or not for our issues. Well, I better move on. Fourthly, discipline requires wisdom. Although my parents didn't believe in firm discipline, the truth is not every child requires the same firmness. My siblings and I, I mean, if we weren't fighting, we weren't happy. 
I'll never forget when my dad got so frightened. We're going to get out late. You'll get over it. I don't feel good, nor do I care how late we get out. When my mom and dad got so just exhausted. You know that parental exhaustion you get? Um, and where you, you call your, your parents and apologize, right? And, and they were so tired of my brother and I fighting. We fought over everything and anything, especially when we were bored. And we were in karate, and they got so tired. The, 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 the spankings weren't seemed to be working or anything. So they, they took us to karate that day. They told our karate instructor, and said, these boys cannot stop fighting for the next two hours you have my permission. In fact, I demand they fight without pause. Two hours. Two hours. Now, you can't put a child outside for 30 seconds without giving Johnny a drink of water in case he dies of dehydration. We went two hours without love, without care, without water, just rage. It was awesome for about 10 minutes. And I remember dad came, came back to get us 15 minutes early just to check and watch that we were still fighting. Right? I'll never forget that. But every child requires some discipline. And it may not be the same as maybe my siblings and I deserved and needed. I've told my kids many times that I doubt there was a day that at least one of us did not get a whooping. And we rarely did not deserve it. But can I tell you what every child does need? Number one, they needed an abundance and, and of, of unconditional love. They need an abundance of unconditional love. But secondly, they need clear boundaries and consequences for crossing them. Unfortunately, most homes err on one side or the other. We think, well, if I just smother them with love, spoil them like grandparents, there will be no consequences. Wait until they're 15. Or if I am just rule-based and boundary-based, then all their problems will be solved and they'll never express their sin nature. Wait until they're 15. But what you have is children need clear boundaries. They need clear boundaries because they associate boundaries with love. So they need an abundance of love. They need those clear boundaries. This is why we get in Proverbs 22, 6, the, uh, the verse we all know. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we don't have time to exegete that fully, but the day will come and we will spend an entire evening on that verse. The point is, at the end of the day, parents are a blessing. And without strong homes and godly parents, this country has no hope. Proverbs 30, 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. But that one wasn't in your children's Bible growing up. It should have been. When he was president, Harry S. Truman was asked about his father. Many knew the struggles his father had. His father was a failure. He failed at everything he ever touched and did in life. In particular, he failed as a farmer and as a businessman. He died at a pretty young age. He was in his young 60s. And he died convinced he was nothing but a failure. 
One reporter asked the president, Truman, about his father and asked, do you believe your father was a failure? Truman's answer was pretty simple and straightforward. How can he have been a failure? He's the father of the sitting president of the United States of America. I think Truman understood something. He was who he was because of his parents. And he had a job to honor them. The home is the most important thing we have in any country. It is the first and primary government that we all have responsibility to. Children are a blessing, and so are the parents. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, I ask that you